This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. We're glad you're here today. Um, so excited to have you. Hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah, we're still in the. Well, actually, we're finally. This is our last our last sermon um, in the series. Last, Faith, Faith yeah, and last podcast for yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the last in in the series. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And, and so it's, it was friend of God. It was the title of the sermon. Um, you talked about just Abraham's life and mm-hmm. his death and the importance of a good eulogy. That's right. And so I decided to. And you even said we should write our own. Or edit our own. So I did, did you write your own eulogy? I went ahead and wrote my own eulogy. And, you know, uh, if you don't mind, if we would just take a second and remember uh, Johnny. We're remember Johnny. Yeah, Johnny McCloskey. He was a handsome man <laughs> with chiseled pecs <laughs> and large biceps. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Very caring. Uh, rugged good looks. That's all I got so far. So feel free to tell you got so yeah, far. Feel free to write it, send any emails, podcast at gfol.org. Uh, and uh, if you yeah. want to add to my you eulogy, you want to correct his eulogy. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for mostly uh, good qualities. Uh, that's, all, that's all I want to hear. But yeah, we talked about uh, just the importance of leave, leaving a good um, legacy and, and that he was a friend of God and he had done so much with his life. Um, and, and, you know, obviously that's uh, very important to, to do so. And uh, you mentioned, you know, when I look at back in my life, you know, obviously I see, you know, the, the highs and I definitely see the lows and I see my failures and mistakes. And and you, and you mentioned that God does redeem our failures. And I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of people out there that, you know, we do. We look at probably more critically at ourselves and uh, maybe as they listen to this, they're beating themselves up over something they did or over something they've done in the past. And uh, why does God choose to redeem our failures? Well, does he have a choice? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, I, you what know, do you mean? what do you mean by that though? Well, does he have a choice? I mean, it's, you know, does you, you kind of phrases the, the question, does God choose to redeem our failures? You know, if he's going to be the kind of God he is, you know, to have the character that he does, I don't, I don't know that he has a choice as far as doing something else that's consistent with his character. Um, I, I do think it's, it's an expression of God's grace though, in our lives, you know, we, we, we all make mistakes, right? We all make decisions that are, that are bad or wrong or not good for us or not good for humanity or families or, or whatever the case might be. And, and we've all lived things that are regrettable or done things that are regrettable. Um, as a matter of fact, I was just reading the story of David and Bathsheba this morning. And, and, you know, at one point in the text, it just says, this, is, this did not please God. This was un- displeasing to God. Uh, and yet even in that God redeems that, right? God, you know, ends up giving them Solomon, which comes from David and Bathsheba and, um, is Solomon's parents. And, and, and so I think God takes the things we do. He redeems them. Uh, he's a God of redemption. It's part of his character, taking that, which is broken and fixing it. Um, redeeming it, mm. if you will, uh, taking, he does that with the earth, you know, it, it talks about in Romans that even the earth cries out, you know, and, and kind of these, these, these groans. groans. Yeah. Um, and in the end we'll have a new heavens and a new earth, right? It, we, we get, we, God takes these broken bodies that talks about in first Corinthians 15, these perishable ones. And, and, and when we're, when the resurrection, uh, happens, we, we get new bodies, we get redeemed bodies, right? So God, God is the kind of God that does that, not just with the decisions we make in life, but really with all aspects of creation. Um, you know, the, what we see in revelation is 
a reestablishment of the paradise that was lost in, in creation. You know, there's a redemption of the broken world that is brought back in some sense and even improved upon in some sense, um, is, you know, from creation as it was originally intended. So we're brought back to wholeness with God. So God redeems all things and makes all things new. And I think that's really important to understand in our lives that there's no thing, there's no decision that we can make. There's no thing we can do that God cannot redeem. Hmm. And which, which, which sounds a little crazy because you think you can think of some pretty significant atrocities. Oh yeah. But, but, but God is able to redeem those things in, in, at least in some sense. And we might not always see that redemption, um, but, but God brings, is going to bring fallen creation back to, he's going to redeem all of it and bring it back to, uh, the, the purity with which he created it. Well, it's funny because you kind of mentioned that like, oh, it's, it's, that's an obvious question. You know, like it seemed like an obvious question, <laughs> but I think the reality is, is if you forget that about God, sometimes yeah. like God is because that God is a redeeming God that he desires to do that kind of stuff. Because when I think of even in my own life too, it's like, you know, you, somebody fails in a situation, they fail a situation. You just say, you know what? Just figure it out. Yeah. Like not, you know, you're done. You're fired. You're whatever. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. You just go, you go figure that thing out. Or just even with me and my own relationship with God, whenever I fall short or, yeah. or make a mistake, I feel like, well, God's just going to go to the next person. Like, or, yeah. Or, or he's ashamed of you or something. Yeah. Ashamed or he's angry at me or he's frustrated with me. And, yeah. and the, the reality is to remember that God is, he, he looks for the broken. Yeah. And he wants to, to mend it and fix it and restore it. And, and to be fair, it's not that God doesn't get angry. He certainly does. Sure. Uh, um, but he's, but he doesn't he's leave never us. embarrassed, right? He doesn't he never, leave us. Yeah, he doesn't leave us. And and he, he, he relishes, I think, the opportunity to show his goodness by redeeming that which is bad or evil or, or, or fallen or, or whatever. You had talked about in the sermon that... Kind of along this point that Abraham uh, lived a full and, and complete life. Yeah. How do you reconcile that with the, the idea that he did come up short many times? Yeah. So in my mind, I would go, well, he lived a pretty good, pretty full. Because, you know, obviously there are some times where yeah. he didn't live a full life or he made mistakes. How do you reconcile, like, even like in our own lives, you know, we have looked back and we look at the regrets we've made. Mm-hmm. Can we look and say, hey, no, I did have a good life. I lived a full life. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think it depends on how you, how you define that term. Right. And I, I don't think I was necessarily referring to Abraham's purity in that, you know, it wasn't that Abraham lived a pure life. Mm. He, he made mistakes. There was, there was sin. We, we, that was blatantly clear as we went through the story of Abraham and it's blatantly clear no matter which biblical character you looked at, look at. And I think that's important to understand. So it's not that he didn't make mistakes, that he didn't sin, that he didn't, in that sense, he didn't live a pure and holy life in, in the sense that it was perfect. But it was a, it was a full life in the sense that it was complete. Um, God had a, God had accomplished all that needed to be accomplished through Abraham, and and it was you know he he kind of put down at the end of his life that okay God's God's done what he's what he's done with me and and now he's passing that on to the next generation right he's passed and he did that in a number of ways which we talked about those last few weeks but um. But it's, it's, it's a good full life. And, and again, I kind of used the illustration of my grandpa and I just remember thinking, and it was true with my grandma as well when she passed. Um, and just, I just remember thinking, you know what? Um, they weren't perfect, but they lived, they lived for God. They followed God. They, they did what they could to, to, um, to follow Jesus and he redeemed what, what they couldn't do. And, and, um, and it was full and it was complete. 
Mm. There was a sense of completeness, which we don't always get when somebody passes, right? Like we, you know, you think of the teenager who, who dies, um, because of a battle with cancer or they commit suicide, God forbid, or something like that. And, and you don't feel that sense of completeness, but when somebody has, has, has lived out their lifespan and it's, and, and it seems like it's finished, you know, that's, that's kind of what I think the text is saying. It's, it's, it's all that has needed to be accomplished through his life was accomplished. Mm-hmm. He lived to a good old age as the text puts it. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that's kind of what that's talking about. And, and it is true that not everybody gets to experience that. Um, but, but Abraham did. And I think that ought to be our goal that when we get to that point, when we get to that good old age that we can look and go, um, even as we ourselves face death, we can go, we can go, yeah, but it's complete. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and, it, and kind of to clarify too, I don't think you're saying this, but the, the, say the young teenager who does struggle with cancer or cancer takes their life. If they're living with purpose for God, he could still redeem that and, and create a sense of fullness and an, Absolutely. And an impact and a legacy. Whereas a, a 95 year old person who does not care at all about God may not may, have may, that. Yeah. may not have that. And that's absolutely true. I think that's really good. Good point, Johnny. And, and it's, and it's, there, there can be that sense of, especially when it's a disease or something like that, um, the natural causes. And we're, that's where we trust in God's sovereignty in those moments, you know, that, that God, God, uh, can redeem that too. And it, and it seems counterintuitive. It doesn't seem quite right, but God can redeem that too. And, um, and, and, and sometimes that person who has lived, a full life as far as years are concerned, maybe didn't live a full life as far as their purpose is concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is, it kind of sounds like kind of leading to my next question in the sense of I've, I've heard this, and I think we've talked about it before, but for some reason, it's just one of those things that rubs me a little bit. Uh-huh. And, and I've heard, you know, people talk about Christianity is the crutch. Christ is, yeah. is our crutch in a, a lot of ways. And I, I thought about it again, this Sunday, as you were talking about it. And yeah, there's certain things in life where we do need, Jesus to get through certain things. And he adds a certain measure to our lives to create a fullness, right. to create purpose and all that kind of stuff while we're living. But then I was thinking, no, that is true. We, that Jesus is that we need him for now on this side of eternity. But really, he is my crutch when it comes to my salvation, you know, hundred <laughs> percent. And I, I think it's just like, man, for some reason, it just bothers me. People say that, yeah. but the reality is, is he is my crutch. Yes. On this life, you know, yeah. but he is ultimately, man, he is more than my crutch when it comes to salvation. And I, you know, I just kind of wanted to just, I don't know. I, I, there's no question there really. I just got fired up a little bit again this Sunday, but if you want to add to that, you can, but well, yeah, I mean, no, I think that's really important is, is religion. You know, people will say religion. Usually people that say that will say, well, religion's a crutch or Christian is a crutch or whatever. Um, maybe they'll say Jesus is a crutch, but, and, and I think you're out, you're right and go, okay, but the people who say that are the people who are broken, but don't recognize their own brokenness. I mean, why do we need a crutch? Cause we're broken. Cause yeah. I broke my leg. Yeah. I'm spiritually broken. Yeah. You were, we're spiritually broken. We need a crutch. Jesus is the crutch. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Of course he's the crutch because you're broken and you need a crutch. And, you know, I mean, it reminds me, you know, sometimes other people are like this too. When, when we're younger and, you know, we, we hurt ourselves, you know, and I, I, I've sprained my ankles a lot. And so I, so I'd, I have had, I have really bad ankles. So I'd sprain my ankles. Doctor would go here, you need to be on crutches for six weeks. And I'd, you know, I'd, take the crutches outside, throw them in the trunk of the car and never use them again. But I was broken. I just wanted to, I was determined not yeah, to be I broken, but a, I was broken. I don't need a help. I don't need a crutch. Right. Yeah. That's the person they're limping around. They can barely walk. And they're like, I don't need a crutch. 
okay. Yeah. What, you can tell yourself whatever you want, but it's obvious to everyone else that you're broken and, and you do is, need to cry. Yeah, we can all see that too. And yeah. whether you want to see it or not. And the reality is too, them walking on a wounded leg or something is actually causing more damage exactly. in the end. Just go ahead right. and just deal with it. It's just deal with your sin. Yeah. You know, right. You know, either you're going to fit, you know, fake it. Or you're going to have Christ fix yeah, that. You can live in denial all you want, but the rest of us can see the truth. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. And even in the, within the church too, I'm sure yeah. there's plenty to see. Yeah. Um, so John, when it comes to uh, uh, numbered days, you talked about yeah. our days are numbered. Yeah. Job, right? Yeah. Oh, is that from Job? Yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you really think that God has an actual number on our, our days or do you think like my life choices, you know, affect <laughs> that, you know? <laughs> My lack of exercise. Ooh. Let's just go ahead and say it. In my, you know, deep theological question here. Hamburgers. Yeah, you know, love cheeseburgers, and you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm going to give a satisfying answer to that question. It's a good question. Uh, and, and there's people that would would come really down on one side of this really definitively. I can I can tell you this. Scripture says our na- our days are numbered. But the question be- then becomes: Are they numbered At because God <laughs> foreknows what yeah. what those are, or because He predestined what those are? Right. And that's the, that's the big question that we, um, we, we ask, John, and are you going to go into the predestination with salvation? Topic uh, <laughs> no, no, but, but I, I, here's what I'll say. Scripture says our days are numbered. Do our choices have something to do with that? Uh, yeah, probably, I guess. I mean, you know, certainly if I decide to, um, do something that is unwise and unbiblical and, and, and wrong and take my own life, you know, did, did God predestine that to happen? No. Um, I don't, I don't think he caused it to happen in that sense. Um, but, but he knew it was going to happen. Right. So I don't know. I think, I think this, you know, it's not that our choices don't matter. They do matter. They absolutely 100% do. And we should recognize that. Um, but our days are numbered. God knows them at, at a minimum, right? That's, that's the least we can say. Mm. And the most we could say is that, that God, God not only knows them, but he predetermined them on some, on, in some way. Um, but that is not an excuse to be foolish, right? So we don't, we don't have the right to be, to be foolish and, and make bad choices. And, and the scripture doesn't say it's predetermined how we're going to die. I don't think that I know of, I don't know of a scripture that says that. So, so even if our days are numbered, is there, is there choice within that, that, that could change what yeah. that looks like possibly you know we're getting into kind of some deep waters as far as sure theology and philosophy here but scripture does say our days are numbered that's you know job says that i think it says that in uh, psalm as well well i think you hit on the head even when it comes to predestination and election and salvation too whether or not you believe in it or if you do believe in it doesn't mean you don't uh evangelize doesn't mean you don't preach doesn't mean just because god is drawing doesn't mean that you don't yeah. you're not you still have a part to play and you don't need to overthink it just right. do, do what you think is best whether yeah, don't, it's don't live freak a good out. life yeah it's, you, it's you know bible college students that's what they stay up late at night talking about and then they they finish college they don't have the answer and they stop staying up late at night because they just eventually come to the realization that i'm not sure i can totally answer all those questions yeah i don't think i i don't think i have the mind of god <laughs> right right that's good yeah that's good i don't i don't know all that god knows yes and and that's okay um you talked about choices uh just a little while ago and uh and I think, you know, you said that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. Yeah. And it sounded like from your sermon, the fact that he had multiple wives right. created those nations. Yeah. If he did, and that probably wasn't God's plan. Right. If he didn't have the multiple wives, how would it, you think, how do you, how do you think God would have 
created the nations among, you know what I'm saying? If, I well, mean, obviously, did, though, right? So I, th- I think that's the, the, the curious thing about this is the, the original promise in Genesis chapter 12, right, was, was that he would be, that God would give him a nation, a, a people, right? Okay. And, and I think that that's important to recognize that, that by the time we get to Genesis chapter 17, the, there's an additional promise. Now he'll not just be the father of a nation, he'll be the father of many nations, right? And so, so I think, and, and, and then you have Hagar and Ishmael, right? So, so you have these, these other situations and God, it's not, it's not that God said, here's my plan. I want you to have another wife. I want you to have, I want you to take Hagar. And as a matter of fact, God's, you know, I mean, I think the text pretty, pretty well, uh, pretty does a good job of saying, Hey, that wasn't a good decision. Uh, the way it portrays it, he ends up sending off Hagar and, and Ishmael. It's, you know, and all these, that wasn't God's choice. That was his choice. He chose to do that. God decided even in the midst of that to redeem it in some sense. And, and again, we go back to that idea of God as a God of redemption, right? Or he, 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 he gives a blessing, not because that's the original plan, but he's gonna, he's gonna still bless through Abraham. And now, now it's like, okay, I'll make you the father of many nations now, but that wasn't God's original plan. That was, that was, that was God responding in some sense to what Abraham did, the choices he made. And God does respond to our choices. We do have choices to make. Um, even if you believe in predestination and, and, and all that kind of stuff, which you have to, cause it's in scripture, but, but how you, however you define mm, that, well, right? Well, yeah. Like yeah. So. Ephesians one, you know, I mean, it's, it's in scripture. You, you have to believe in predestination, but how you define that and understand it okay. is a little There's bit open to There's still some it. debate on it. There's but, still some debate. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, but God, God, God will oftentimes take our bad choices and still redeem them. And that's what he did with Abraham. And I think we need to recognize that that's, that doesn't justify us to make bad choices, right? That's why I quoted or went to, to Romans in chapter six, where, where Paul says, you know, should you sin? Should you, should you go on sinning so that God's grace may abound? Well, no, of course not. You should not do that. That's ridiculous. You try to honor God with your choices. Hmm. You know, um, we see that, you know, at the time of Abraham's death, sorry, I was going to say something I totally spaced out, got so enthralled with what you were saying. You guys saying. should also see Johnny. I mean, it's like he's in, he's a space cadet right I'm now. a space he's cadet. A, but you, you see at the time of Abraham's death, um, Isaac and Ishmael are there. Yeah. They come back together to come bury back him, together. Right? Okay. So were they apart for the well? Uh, you, you don't have to go too deep on that, but. Well, no, I think they were. I mean, you know. Ishmael, Ishmael sent off, mm-hmm. right? And, and Hagar too. So, so yeah, they absolutely were. God, but didn't God they come back at some point? You know, he sent them off initially. Then they well, they came back, back, but then again, but then again, they they were sent off again, again okay. a second time. So, so, so yeah, they were absolutely separated, but they come back for Abraham's death, which, which, um, you know, I, I think that it's, it, I think that's not something that should be overlooked in the text to go that here you have, you know, the, these half brothers coming back together to bury Abraham and to honor him and, um, and those kinds of things. I think that's important, you know, to recognize that Abraham's legacy, you know, Ishmael was honored him with that. Yeah. Sometimes even death can bring us back together and absolutely maybe restore some stuff. Yeah. Which is always a good thing. Yeah, and but who knows what the relationship was after that when we don't really, you know, have all the details of all that, all that stuff, but, but they did at least come back together to bury Abraham. Yeah. Then my question is, what do you think happened beyond that? I mean, do you think it sounds like they, they split at that point? Yeah. I at mean, some point. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, obviously as things progress down the road, um, those nations end up warring with Israel, you okay. know, uh, 
uh, and things like that. And not, and, and, and referring also to the other half brothers that, that were listed in, in Genesis 25 as well. Uh, so, you know, it, it's true. It's true. Isaac is a, is a child of promise. It is God blesses the, the, the nations um, through Abraham. And that is in, in some sense uh, through the others as well, because he becomes uh, the father of many nations. And there's a blessing that goes with Ishmael. And 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 these other ch- other children were giving gifts, even though it says it says all of Abraham basically gave everything to Isaac. But while they while he was when he died, but while he was still alive, he gave gifts and things to these other sons. So he honored them too. Um, but, but all of his possessions upon death went to, went to Isaac. And so that was a sign of him going, Hey, this is the chosen one. This is, this mm-hmm. is the chosen child, even though he wasn't the oldest. Yeah. Right. Cause who's oldest Ishmael Ishmael for sure. Yeah. At least Ishmael. Yeah. By like 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. It would cause maybe some, uh, some, some drama down the road. It but God, absolutely could. But God can handle drama. He can handle mess. And that's the beauty. I think that's the beauty of kind of the story too for me is, you know, sometimes life is messy and yeah. relationships are ba- can get bad and can go sideways quickly. And sometimes if you're like me, I'm afraid to create new things because you can foresee the drama coming. Right. But the good thing about God is that he, he'll have a, a plan. It'll go sideways. It always does. Um, not uh, when, by we, his fault. when we, when we mess get, it up. Yeah, when, he when we mess it up. it up. And then he just says, okay, this, well, here's plan B, you know, and this, we're going to fix it. We're going to tweak right. it. And, and here's plan C. You know, he just never gives up on us. He, he never quits, never turns his back. Well, and he still always accomplishes plan A. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that just plan A different. gets tossed aside, but then he, but he, you know, when we make other choices, uh, he'll redeem those things, right? Mm-hmm. And, and even when we we don't make the right choice, and I think there's some comfort in that, and there should be, that that God is sovereign over all things, even over our bad choices. All right, last question, John. Uh, so Abraham died at 175. Yeah, the ripe old age. Ripe old age. But however, Adam and Eve would look back and go, "Man, so young. Yeah, what a young, what a what young, young man." Right? Methuselah was like 900 something. Yeah, like right. Like, yeah, they'd be like, "What? You know, what happened? You know, <laughs> you get gored by a, a wild boar." <laughs> I don't even know. So it's just back then. By Leviathan. Yeah, making up big creatures of, of the Old Testament. But but the point is, uh, you see these these lifespans over. Yeah. You know, biblically, or even just even in our you know, historical texts, Yeah, you know, where people live to be longer, longer ages. Nah. Why was that? And why do we die now about, you know, average lifespan, I guess 75 now. Why is, why is that? Yeah. Um, I think it's actually a pop above 75, but that doesn't matter. What is but, it? Um, a pop above? Do you uh, say? I don't know what I said. Oh. I might've stumbled a little bit there. Okay. But, uh, anyways, I was waiting. I thought it was a Minnesota thing coming no, out. No, Minnesota thing. Okay. Uh, just, just me tripping over my words. But, uh, I, you know, a lot of people will talk about the flood and go, the flood changed the atmosphere and, and things like that. And I, I guess it's a possibility. I don't, I don't know that I have a physiological answer to that. Like why, why we live shorter and shorter, um, could have something to do with the gene pool. I suppose it could. Um, I don't, I don't know the scientific answer for sure. Um, but we do see in scripture prior to the flood, people tending to live longer. And then after the flood, which was a judgment, right? Uh, the flood was a judgment upon the evil and the wickedness that was here on earth. And so after that flood, it progressively shortens and shortens and shortens and shortens and shortens. And so, so I, I don't, I know that's unsatisfying to some like, sure that I don't, I don't have some, to, uh, yeah. Right. Um, but, but we do see that. And, um, and, 
and that that is it seems to be a result of of judgment by God that that our lives are shortened actually. Um, whether it's a judgment against us personally or even just against not I think creation, it's against humanity, but yeah, yeah. And, humanity. in fact, the creation could have, uh, because of the canopy or whatever, or the atmosphere pressure. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people will, will make the argument that after the flood, the can the, the atmosphere was different, and the, the, the water layer in our atmosphere was thinner, and so. And so because of that, we're harmed more by like the sun and different things like that. Um, I, I don't really know for sure if that if that makes a lot of sense or not. Um, but but some people have made that argument, I think. But either way, I think from a theological perspective, it's the result of judgment on on the wickedness that that humanity, uh, the, the, how, how wicked humanity became before the flood. And then after the flood, it was part of that judgment that we started to live shorter lives. Now, you know, can it'll fluctuate. Right. I mean, we, we, we see that as technology developed, our lifespan increased and things like that, but we're not at 175. I don't know. You know, I don't know anybody that's lived 175 in, in modern times. Yeah. Maybe, so, maybe 110. Yeah. Yeah. Out. That would be like pretty whoa, crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you reach a hundred, man, that's, that's impressive. Um, so we're just young men oftentimes when we die, according to Methuselah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're teenagers. We're young pups. <laughs> uh, any uh, additional resources did you came across, John, that you recommend? Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this last time or not, but, but I'll mention it again because I think it's, I think it's good. Um, and that is John Piper's book, Don't, don't Waste Your Life. Mm. I, th- I just think it's really good. You know, we talk about our life and, and it's kind of weird. You come to a passage like this and you're talking about end of life. And obviously our congregation, there are people in our congregation who are maybe, you know, facing the, the last years of the, of their life. But there's also people who are very young in our congregation. And, and to think about those things so far down the road, you know, and you and I are, you know, I guess, would we be called middle-aged, I guess? Yeah, I'm, Some, I'm having a midlife crisis. Are you having a midlife oh, crisis? Since by, by 35. I noticed 30. that Corvette out in the parking lot is... Yeah. No, yeah, Johnny no, does not drive a Corvette. No, no. <laughs> it's too, actually, that's too dangerous for Johnny. Yeah, it's too fast, John. It's too, it's too fast. But, but I, I, you know, I, it's important to think about that though. What is the legacy we will leave? And I think even as a young person, if you're, you know, 20 and you're thinking about, you know, you should be thinking about what legacy will you leave? And they often do. Well, how 20 year olds often think about how they're going to change the world, which I think is good. That's, that's thinking about the legacy that you're going to leave. Right. Because our, our time on this earth is short and, um, and, and then we'll be with Jesus if we're, if we know him and if we put our faith and trust in him. All right, John, well, let's wrap this thing up. What's the, uh, the big takeaway this week? Yeah, I think the big takeaway is, is pretty simple. Um, and it's, it's write your own eulogy by how you live day by day. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.